0: Well, good morning to you all. Is it my fault? Oh no, it's his fault. It's Phil's fault. It's good when it's not my fault. I don't know if you're like me, but I love blaming my wife when it's her fault. She tells me I'm bad for that, so I I say that because I think we're all on a growth path, aren't we? And I am 58, and uh, those who are 80 would say that's very young. Uh, but I'm starting to feel my age now and again, and uh, especially when I do crazy things. But uh, They always say, you're only as old as you think you are, and I'm starting to feel that theory's not right, but uh, uh, two Sundays ago, we had about 120 people come down to the front for prayer, and I I, want to point that out because probably my biggest concern is we are a fast food society. Get it quick, get it over, go to the doctor, can you just give me a shot of something, I'll be better, I'll be good. Uh, we usually aren't there for the long haul. We usually aren't there to really see significant change. So what people experienced two Sundays ago is they asked God to fill them with his presence uh, for various reasons. And let me encourage you, if you're one of those 120, hey, there's a movie on TV like that, but if you're one of those 120, uh, may I just beg you, stay in the journey. Every morning, when you put your feet on the floor, say, God, fill me with your spirit. I wanna be who you've made me to become. I want the old man to pass away and the new man to show up. I want this heart of stone replaced with a heart of flesh. I wanna be different, I wanna be changed. I wanna know who you're making me in Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Are you committed to walking in the light? Are you committed to walking in the light? Are you committed to staying connected to Jesus the vine? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, very briefly this morning look at a really big, long text, uh, would you give us understanding? Because honestly, God, so much of the Bible is just gibberish if your Holy Spirit doesn't give us understanding. So God, give us understanding as we... Go through your Bible, the Word, today. Help us to understand this, this new covenant, this new thing, this brand new thing that you started that, that isn't about rules getting to heaven, but it's about Jesus on the inside making us different. Help us to get our minds around that today. Give us understanding. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So today, we're in Acts chapter two, verse 14. Now, if you remember, the book of Acts is basically the story of the early church, the church as it's just getting started. And of course, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's all about Jesus, those four little books in the Bible. And uh, then you have the book of Acts, which really is a flow through of the book of Luke that described Jesus. And you may remember, whether it's in Luke or John, Jesus was very concerned that his disciples don't go anywhere or do anything until they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is so critical for us to get our heads around that, that if you try to do anything in your flesh, you will come across as a judgmental, nasty, egotistical person. If you do it in the Spirit, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the life in the Spirit. And we need to get our minds there. We need to understand that it's not all about the Old Testament law. But it's now about a relationship and a walk with Jesus, hearing his voice, reading his Bible, letting his spirit fill us so that we can be overcomers in our sin. So Acts chapter 2 follows... That beautiful story we read two weeks ago where the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. Uh, They go out to the street. In fact, some people stood amazed at what was going on. They were speaking in languages that weren't their own. Others, though, mocked. And you might remember I said there's some people that mock, And they said, oh, are these guys drunk? And then we get to verse 14, a carrying on of this story. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't have time to go into all the idiosyncrasies or the intricacies of this prophecy and where it kind of harkens to and where it goes But I want you to focus on that last verse. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, Peter is explaining the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you might remember two Sundays ago, I said that up until this point, the Holy Spirit usually would only come on somebody for a short time. They would have superhuman strength, or they would have wisdom, or, or there was one or two prophets that it said they were filled with the Holy Spirit their whole life, but that wasn't the norm. It was just a few people. Now, as Joel prophesied, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on everybody, literally A piece of the Heavenly Father, the loving Heavenly Father, is going to be placed inside those who believe in Jesus. And this is revolutionary. This is light pushing out darkness in our souls. In essence, Peter is teaching there is a new thing happening. And he proclaims it, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me ask you a short question today. Are... You saved. Are you saved? I was sitting in the front pew. I was thinking about this text, and I thought, man, Billy Graham, I miss him. I miss him. In fact, at Ministerial, we talked about getting his grandson to come up into Grand Prairie and to ask the question: Are you saved? Billy Graham lived his whole life without messing up i pray to god that would be me i pray that his spirit would fill me and that to the end of my days i wouldn't get arrogant or full of self or full of greed with money or whatever it might be that his spirit would fill me and i would have a legacy like billy graham but i ask you the question are you saved you may say to me i didn't know i was lost I figured out where the church was this morning. I live in this town. I can find my way to my job. And you might say, I didn't know I was lost. You would say, well, there's some people definitely lost, but I am sure I'm okay. And I want to say, really? I've been walking in the faith with the filling of the Holy Spirit, and I still got soul wounds, people. I still do stuff that's not so great. I still make mistakes. I still have anger. I still have frustrations. I still say things that I shouldn't. And my mom's gone now, so she can't even hear this. So I'll say, "You should see my mother." Peter goes on to explain to the crowd. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He's literally challenging them. You saw him, and it happened. This man was handed over to you by God, by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold of him. David said about him in other Old Testament, while he was a king and a prophet, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Do you need hope this morning? Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. This is prophetic people about Jesus laying in the tomb. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And now he explains this. Wonderful prophecy. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David, the one he was just telling about, he died and he was buried and his tomb is still here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, the Greek word for that is Christos, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And he has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven. And yet he said, David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Therefore, Peter says to the crowd, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And again, Messiah here in the Greek word is Christos, Christianity, Savior, the one who saves. Maybe you're sitting there and you're still not convinced that you need saving. The smartest man I had ever met, his name's Rabbi Zachary. If you go on YouTube, and uh, search for his name, he, like his little, uh, he goes before universities and he loves to have professors. He sometimes debates atheists. Uh, he loves to have professors. He likes to have kids, university kids come and ask him questions. And he's called what we call an apologist. In other words, he defends the faith and what we believe and think in the scriptures. And he's unbelievable. I, before he was famous, got to spend a week in a class with him teaching it. There was five students, me and Rabbi Zacharias. And I sat there, just my my pen was almost smoking, the wise things this guy had to say. He had answers to the faith like I'd never heard before. And about Thursday, one of my fellow students put up his hand and almost smugly said this to Rabbi. said, Rabbi, have you ever argued anybody into the kingdom of God? And I remember Rabbi sat there rubbing his chin and he looked up to us and he said, actually, not a one. And the smug student, I can remember him sitting there and go, well, why do you do what you do then? And Rabbi, rubbing his chin again, he said, well, let me explain. He says, often people come and they have doubts and they have questions and they have certain ideas about Christianity. And I'll start to explain to them, but most often before I get to the end of the explanation." There's a switch that flips inside of them. There's a switch that goes from unbelief to belief. There's a switch that goes from I think I was okay and they realize they're lost and they start to say to me, I now believe. Please tell me, Rabbi, how do I become a Christian? And I remember the smug student, and it wasn't me if you're thinking I'm trying to hide myself, the smug student looked at him and said, so why bother arguing? And Rabbi said, It just works. But it's not me that makes it work. It's the Holy Spirit in me. And the Holy Spirit brings understanding. And hearts yield to Jesus. And something flips on the inside of them. Listen to the crowd flip in the book of Acts. Verse 37, Peter goes on. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Something flipped. And said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? It was like the lights went on, the realization hit them that they were lost and they needed a savior. And Peter replies to them these most famous statements that Billy Graham for sure was famous quoting. And he said, Repent and be baptized. We have a tank behind us. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's all wrapped up in those few words. How can you have God's holiness, a piece of heaven, placed inside of your heart that's gone astray? And and it starts from the inside out to transform and change you. It's not this external, I'm going to do good stuff and hopefully I start feeling better on the inside. It's actually on the inside God begins a new work. But as this text says, you have to understand that you need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Now let me unpack those three things, repent, be baptized, and admit your sins. I wanna start with the admit your sin part. In the counseling world, and I'm not talking the church counseling world, but in the counseling world, any good counselor worth his salt will try to figure out where is the lie that you're believing, where is the hurt or the pain that you have or where is the mistaken identity or, or, and, and get you to the point, and if they're worth their salt, they'll, they'll get to the point and go, do you hear what you're saying? Do you admit that maybe you shouldn't think that way or maybe that behavior isn't good for you? I mean, there's so many, I just love going on Google. It's such a wealth of inspiration. You go on Google, you can find an excuse for anything. Just look, you know, uh, Why I should be an alcoholic? I'm sure it's on there. It's probably on YouTube. Probably 30 videos. Or why should I do acid? It's probably on there. Why should I do meth? Or it's probably on there. It's good for my soul. It makes me. I mean, this stuff is so destructive. But we need to admit to ourselves that we're lost. And then the repent part, that's a really old word, hardly ever used outside of the church. But repent means, I, I was heading this direction and now I'm going to go this way. Repent isn't just coming to an altar and saying, I'm sorry. Repenting is, I'm going to get to know who I am in Jesus. I- I'm going to be a different person. I- I'm going to let God start to lead me. I'm, I'm going to read his word. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to discover what it is to be a Christian. And the be baptized part. A lot of theologians argue over this, but let me kind of spell it out, real simple terms for you. Jesus in the Great Commission said, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism really is a step. It's an obedience thing. It doesn't save you. It doesn't change you. Well, it does change you because you're admitting, you're saying... I need Jesus and I'm going to go into those waters and I'm going to go under the water as if I've died with Jesus and I'm going to come up with the water and the water's washing me and I'm going to stand before everybody and say, I'm okay now. I'm a sinner and I'm saved by faith. I love in Acts chapter 26, near the very end of the story of the early church. The apostle Paul, one of the great famous writers in the New Testament, He's describing to King Agrippa how he was preaching. He was arrested, and he stood before the king to explain what he's up to. And he describes to King Agrippa these words. He says, I first went to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. By the way, if you read Acts 1.8, very beginning of the book of Acts, what is it? It says that, be my witnesses into... Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. To those in Jerusalem, to all those in Judea, and those to the Gentiles also, I preach that they should repent and turn to God. And listen to this. And prove their repentance by their good deeds. In other words, they weren't just riding on the coattails of Jesus They were actually absorbing and soaking up the filling of the Holy Spirit and they were endeavoring to be different. I want to be clear, 58, I'm still working on it. I am saved by his grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. And I'm still working on it, but I'm not riding on his coattails. I'm letting the Spirit soak into me. (laughs) My oldest son, he likes to work out at the gym. I asked him last week, What's the thing you hate most about the gym? You wonder what it is? Anybody? He doesn't like January. What happens in January? Oh, resolutions. He said, in fact, the first two weeks, I don't even go. He said, I can't handle it. A bunch of overweight people, they sweat to death. They're trying to... They look tough. They're trying to impress the girl next door. And he said, drives me crazy. And I said, well, how long does it usually last this? You know, and he goes, Dad, it actually, like the gym, instead of having 10 people in, has 40 people in it. I said, well, how long does it last? And he goes, well, usually by the end of January, it's cleared right out. <laughs> Repent. Go a different direction. Be baptized. Make a change. Do something different. Become somebody different. Let the presence of God be on the inside of you. And again, we have some people here that are getting baptized this morning that have had quite the life journey. But I will want to stand before you and say, I am no better than any one of them. I still need more of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit. I still need that. I remember two different wife abuse situations in churches that I pastored. One wife came to me and said, my husband's beating me, and I will tell you as a pastor, I will protect that wife. So I called the husband into my office, and I said, are you beating your wife? And he said, yes, I am. I said, oh, okay, so there's admission. I've got a problem. As I said, counselors love to hear that. Okay, he's owning up to it. And then I remember saying, okay, well, uh, let's take the next steps. And he's going, what do you mean? I just admitted it. Well, no, there's a repentance thing here that happens. I said, you need to move out. And he goes, what? You're going to break up my marriage? No, no, just listen to me. And then you can start dating your wife once a week in the evening. You're going to go get counseling for your anger. And slowly we'll work this back together when we see that you've made some changes when you're not just in the gym for a month and leave. Well, I can tell you in that case, the guy said, I don't have a problem, I've admitted it, I'm okay, and I can tell you that marriage split up and they've never been back together. Marriage number two, guy comes into my office with his wife. I said, did you beat your wife? He said, yes, I said, you need to move out, we need to get you counseling, we need to start you dating. He goes, absolutely, whatever it takes. You see, he admitted and he repented. He started the journey. You see, Christianity isn't just fast food. That's part of it. You need to be born again, but you also need to be on the journey. Because you know what happens to a lot of us that we like to wave the flag of Jesus? We turn so many people off because of the way we behave. Like, we behave like we're just in the world, no different, sometimes even worse And I'm terrified of the pain and the hurt that we've caused as a church because of that. May we be committed to admit and to believe and to repent and to make the steps, some to baptism and on, to be in a life group, to be in prayer, to pick up our cross every single day, read our Bibles. This sounds a little bit onerous, but this is where it gets really exciting. You go, man, I don't know if I can do it. By the end of January, I'm out of the gym. Did you know God has given us the Holy Spirit? So he's saying, Here, here, you need to smart up. You, you need to change directions. Oh, and then I'm gonna hold your hand and pull you along. Most of us don't get that go, Well, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. The lie of the devil is that you are not an overcomer as a Christian, that you will be stuck in that sin forever. And I can tell you that I, can, I know lots of people, including myself, that have broken, repeated patterns of destruction and sin. And I'm calling you today to do that. Three more verses to conclude. Verse 39 says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, we're far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, is God calling you? With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. When I was 10 years old, there wasn't a lot of difference between Christians and the way they acted and a lot of people in the world. I can tell you, things are changing. I think it's an opportunity for us to be filled with the Spirit and be different. But listen to this. Those who accepted his message were baptized. We've got a tank ready here. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now you go, 3,000? Well, that, you know, pretty cool. No, this is the Holy Spirit working. And maybe you're here today, and you need to admit you're a sinner. And, and maybe you need to have a plan going forward. And maybe for some of you, you need to be baptized. You've never done it. And I want to tell you, the devil's trying to keep you from taking this step. Because it's a step of obedience. It's a step of saying, God, fill me. God, wash me. God, cleanse me. And so we're happy to do spontaneous baptisms. We've got about six or seven people. By the way, you need to get out and start getting ready if you're in here. And we're going to baptize. It's not going to take long. I think we've come up with a new way to do baptisms that are going to speed things up a little bit so you don't have to sit there forever. Not that you ever got bored. Never. You would never say it's such a cool thing being baptized. But go out and get baptized. And maybe you're sitting here going, well, I believe a long time ago, but I've never been baptized. We have elders out in the atrium. They've got little clipboards. Go talk to one. He'll ask you some questions. Let's get her done. Let's get her done. Let's take that step. Let's keep it going past the end of January this time. And I want us to bow our heads now. Just bow your heads. Close your eyes. And I'm going to pray a prayer with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And at the end of this prayer, if that was a prayer that you prayed quietly in your mind with me, Just raise your hands. So I'm going to pray, okay? So keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I really believe you are a loving, kind, caring God. We love to throw the blame of the way this world is and the sickness and the death and the disease and the wars. But honestly, as we read the Bible, it's actually our fault. We love to play that blame game. It's my wife's fault or it's my kid's fault or it's the sound guy's fault. And God, I just want to stand before you and say, I'm going to admit that I got some issues. And there may be somebody here that's ready to say, I've got issues and I need saving. So Heavenly Father, save me and there may be some in their minds right now that are saying, save me. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you want to do that right today, just raise your hand up. I've seen one hand so far. Two hands, three hands. Oh, I love it when the Holy Spirit moves. Heavenly Father, just those that have received you, those that say, I admit, and I wanna turn, and I want your presence in me, I want your Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me, and I'm gonna stumble, but you're gonna pick me up every time I stumble, and you're gonna brush me off, and we're gonna go at this, and we're gonna do better. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for your love In Jesus Christ's name I pray these things, amen.